Welcome to the first episode of Sweet Tea and D&D, a podcast where we rediscuss the lore and legends of D&D, as well as our personal experience as dungeon masters and players, all while drinking sweet tea. Why sweet tea? Because we're both Southerners and we have a drinking problem. Uh, my name is Zach. This is... My name is Jamie. I like how you so formally introduced me. You're not reading at all. I'm totally reading. <laughs> Uh, today we'll be discussing the first two monsters from the 5th edition monster manual. Uh, a little background, I began playing D&D when I was 13 and I started with the 3.5 edition, or 3.5 edition. Uh, we are currently both running homebrew 5e games. Uh, in between the 5e and 3.5, I did a, did play a bit of 4th edition, but everyone knows how we all feel about 4th edition uh, while in high school and undergrad. Uh, I'm currently pursuing a PhD and enjoy playing 5th edition as often as possible. And Jamie, take it away. Um, I'm a relatively new player. I've only been playing for about three years. Only 5th edition. Don't ask me about anything else because I will not know the answer. Um, new Dungeon Master, but, you know, I think I'm good. But I know we'll get hateful comments that'll say otherwise. So I'm prepared for that. They're all me. I'm the one who leaves hateful comments. <laughs> it's just a bunch of different usernames. <laughs> you suck! You have I have a lot of player. emails. <laughs> Different accounts for hateful comments. Um, I am not a PhD. I'm a loser. Um, I like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. He's a lot more impressive than I am. Uh, But yeah, what this show is about, like we said, it's uh, discussing the lore and such behind the fifth edition Monster Manual, as well as other books. So there's a monster out there that's not on someone's Wikipedia page or Tumblr account. We're probably going to talk about it. So, and dissect it and talk about what it looks like, what we think it sounds like. We also are probably going to draw a really bad picture of it and post it on our social media pages. Uh, We will also, yeah, that's great. That's coming up soon. Uh, We also do, what else do we do? You made a list. I don't have it pulled up, so I don't know what else we're talking about. So we're kind of discussing the lore and kind of the history of this creature from which edition of the book it was actually, or which edition of D&D it was released in, up to 5th edition, as that's the Monster Manual and what most people are playing these days. Uh, we'll discuss kind of the flavor text as well as the physical description, uh, stats and tactics, and then kind of our personal experience with the creature as well, whether we've played it as a character or played it as a dungeon master. Um, <laughs> we're going to do all that stuff. That's the... You're doing the Eric Cockra, Cochra. You ran it through two different uh, speech things, and it came out two different ways. It so... was Eric Cochra and Eric Cochra. S- okay. So Eric Okra and Eric Cochra. and Eric <laughs> You Can we go ahead and tag this as explicit? You will <laughs> never say this again correctly. Nope. I'm going to pronounce it wrong the entire time, and I'm going to say Aarakocra, even though, according to the internet and multiple sources, it is Aarakocra. So, You're welcome. If I'm anyone just trying wants not to say to be... cock for the next 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> cock! <laughs> By the way, that's how the creature sounds. Cockra! <laughs> we believe that all D&D monsters... They're like Pokemon, and they just say their name in different ways. So, Sort of, but we'll get back to that on this one. Anyway, so I'm doing an Abolith, which, yeah, that's it. That's just how you say it. There's no funny jokes behind that one. <laughs> no dick jokes. Damn. Oh, are we going with dick jokes? Because <laughs> I got those for days. <laughs> but uh, your monster is first, so have at it. Okay, so starting off, the Aarakocra, or Aarakocra, however you want to say it, uh, is a bird-like... 
monstrous humanoid. Uh, it first appeared in 1981, so it's older than I am. Uh, it was initially in the Fiend Folio, and it's included in multiple campaign settings ever since. Uh, it was initially introduced as a playable race, meaning your players around the table can participate while being a bird person. Uh, in 1987, excuse me, uh, it was initially released as the fifth edition monster in the Monster Manual, but later became a playable race in Elemental Evil, which released in 2015. Uh, fun fact, if you've ever participated in Adventurer's League, you cannot play an Aarakocra because it flies at first level, and that has been banished from the table unless you have explicit permission otherwise. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Troublesome characters. Uh, well, that would be a pain in the ass, especially if you want to kill another PC. You kind of, they fly how many away. PCs are you killing in every campaign? Game? You make it sound like we have not both conspired to kill other PCs. So Don't let's say not. that the producer is a player and I've only almost killed his character like twice. <laughs> <laughs> Unintentional, of course. All right. So, um,. <laughs> for the record i don't like birds uh i i know they serve a purpose and everything but they shit on everything you love uh penguins and other flightless birds are okay but they're on thin ice eh, global warming <laughs> uh, <laughs> birds in the corvid family are okay if you're not sure what those are look them up they're like ravens and um crows they're smarter than the average bird they'll still say. shit on your dreams they're still shit on your car though um so there's a whole topic of why I hate birds. Most recently, I got shot on by one at a conference in Canada, and I will never forgive that seagull. Uh, however, uh, they are Aarakocra or generally fight against elemental evil. This is kind of described in the flavor text of the 5th edition manual. Uh, they particularly want to protect the elemental plane of air. And their arch nemesis is gargoyles or other terrifying statues. Uh, but their goal is to protect the elemental plane of air from something entering or exiting it that's not supposed to be there. Uh, they do occupy the material plane, which is why you can commonly see them as playable character races. Like real birds, they do not have the concept of ownership or borders, and nothing is sacred to them. Not even my clean car. Uh, they use what is necessary and then cast it away according to the flavor text. Uh, they have, they're real free spirits, so to speak. Uh, they prefer flying to walking, and I'll go over why they do that in a moment. And then their sworn enemies are gargoyles, as I mentioned before. Which it sounds like I'm giving a lecture to my students. Just a little bit. I wasn't going to Fucking gonna kill me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I've been grading right before this. Alright, so. Per their physical description, um, while researching this, we do kind of look into it and we kind of stare at their photo for quite a bit of time. So our challenge at ourselves after we finish our research is to draw a picture of it from memory and you'll see those on our Facebook or uh, Twitter account somewhere on our social media. In the world of social media, it will be <laughs> out the there somewhere. Webs. So as I mentioned, they're a bird-like humanoid, and for your own mental image, I generally picture them like Sam the Eagle from the Muppets, uh, just with extra oh hands. <laughs> so instead of just wings, because he just picks things up with wings, he the, picture these playable characters also as uh, monsters uh, with arms, wings, and holding something to hit you with. Uh, in most cases, they'll use a javelin or their talons to fight. So they can be up to five feet tall and weigh 80 to 100 pounds. Uh, because they're, you know, they're lightweight bird bodies. <laughs> Cross Sam the Eagle and like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And that is an Aarakocra or Cockra, however you want to say it. Uh, <laughs> and like my dreams, they'll probably die in their 30s according to the manual. <laughs> so, uh, as a playable race, uh, and as a monster, it has a walking speed of 25 and a fly speed of 50 feet per round. Uh, it cannot fly, however, wearing anything heavier than light armor. So, they're a fun monster as long as you are lightweight and dexterous. 
they also have an unarmed strike using their talents, which is a 1d4 plus the dexterity attack. Why are you looking at me like that? I don't know. I just, I feel like it's not fair that they couldn't wear heavier armor because I always think of Foghorn Leghorn as like an Eric Cockra. <laughs> And I say I say that he should be able to wear heavier armor because I say, I say he drops boulders he's on people. He's freaking swole. He does not drop boulders on people. I've he gets attacked by a four-inch bird. I'm, I think that chicken hawk could totally take him out. Probably. I haven't watched Foghorn Leghorn in a while. We did have a character player in one of our previous games of Curse of Strahd that spoke like Froghorn Leghorn, and so that is the closest relationship oh, I've had to it in a while. I hope he's doing good. Who knows? That campaign ended. Weird. Weird. Yep. Okay. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. So, uh, they are relatively weak with their own armor with an AC of 12. Their HP given by the monster manual is 13. However, they can have a maximum of 24 if you roll all of the dice at an 8. It's 3d8 total. Uh, they have a plus two to dex and plus one to wisdom for their modifiers and everything else is just a straight zero. So they're not really great at much. Um, they're, they have a little bit of a bonus for resisting magic, particularly if your players are casting something on them that requires a wisdom save or to dodge a spell like fireball, which would, oh, that'd be some delicious rotisserie chicken. Uh, <laughs> Uh, or uh, resistance to a strength save for the second level earthbind spell, which knocks a creature out of the sky. Uh, as for their fighting style, uh, I've kind of researched this quite a bit given what they have as an ability. Uh, they are only a quarter of a CR and they're only worth 50 XP each. So damn, that's a shot. That's like a shot right to the pride of any Eric Hoker playing character. Yeah, they're not worth much. They're lightweight bird bodies. They're worth nothing. <laughs> How I feel about most birds. All right. So, um, uh, they are, however, considered a challenging enemy if your players are unable to fly and that they have the advantage of flying above them and hitting them with their uh, either javelin or running by and scraping them with a claw. So uh, one weakness is that given the monster manual, they only come with a single javelin. So once that's thrown and if they miss, it's kind of a pain to retrieve that. However, keep in mind that when you're playing fetch with yourself, you can pick up or stow a weapon as a free action as long as it's within your movement or action. Uh, the Aarakocra is great at avoiding close range melee attacks because they can fly and they can hi- uh, hover above your enemies or your players in this case. Uh, but they are not quite heavy hitters. Uh, one way to increase their damage is to use the action or skill they have, which is called a dive attack. As long as they are 30 feet in the air, they may dive down and add an additional 1d6 damage, uh, though this is limited by the dive distance of 30 feet. Uh, in the first round, you can dive attack, assuming you start off in the air and you climb 20 feet to avoid melee range. You can repeat this pattern up to the third round. However, at that point, you'll be stuck on the ground in melee range until your next round where you can fly back into the air and start over again. Assuming your squishy bird person with their 13 HP isn't dead from ranged attacks. Um, Alternatively, and this is how I would kind of pitch it because getting an additional D3 of damage or D6 of damage isn't always the best option when you're trying to fight smart and make it complicated. Uh, you can use your 20 feet to fly into attack a creature and then use the additional 30 feet as they do have a 50 foot fly speed uh, to move out of range. So fly by attacks essentially with this. Uh, you can throw your javelin with a range of 30 to 120 feet without disadvantage. However, once you again miss a target, it could go off sailing and you'll have to retrieve it. 
Uh, there is additional damage for using the javelin by about one average uh, hit point damage. Do you always have to throw a javelin? Like, no. you couldn't just be like stabby stabby with it? No, you can use a javelin as a uh, ranged or a melee weapon up close. You do not have to throw it. The attack modifier is the same, which is a plus five for them. As a bird, I wouldn't throw it because that just, it sounds like a dumb thing to do, especially if you only have one. I just fly by, stabby stabby, fly by, stabby stabby. No. So, yeah, they only get one attack, though, because they are CR one quarter. So, one attack. Fly by stab. Fly by stab. (laughs) Fly by stab. Fly by midnight. Um, So, picking off lower level party members is pretty easy, especially if you are avoiding the murder hobos in your group, such as the barbarian, paladin, or fighter. Uh, And to improve its deadliness, you can always increase the creature's AC, HP, and damage output. Perhaps give it more ranged weapons, like a bow and arrow, so that I can shoot them from a very far distance. Uh, I believe the short range is 120 on a bow. Uh, and fire death upon your enemies or your players, depending on how you're doing that. Uh, I've always seen a recommended class for Aarakocra players is to play as a ranger. Because they're light bird people. Yeah, you totally be a bard, though. Like, that'd be great. Because you could stay out of combat. And you could viciously mock from the sky. From the sky. Because so if like you're a bard and you God. don't have viciously mock, get your shit together. Vicious mockery. So, as a bonus portion of the sidebar of the monster manual, when five or more Aarakocra are gathered together in elemental name, uh, as long as they are within 30 feet of each other, they can perform a ritual dance. Not kidding. It's termed as a dance. Uh, for three whole rounds, sacrificing their movement and their action while concentrating on a spell, meaning your players can attack them and cause them to make a concentration check. If they manage to succeed this action over three turns, they summon an elemental... Air elemental, right out of the bat. It just lands within 60 feet of them. It is friendly towards that group of five, and it, it is also under their command, at least verbal command, no uh, telepathic command. It will remain for one hour until all of the Aarakocra die, and it can be dismissed as a bonus action. Uh, it also acts as an uber, because as long as the Aarakocra are within five feet of it, as it returns to the plane of air, it can take all of them with it. So, free ride to the air, plane of elemental air. Uh, Personally, I haven't played an air croaker because I hate birds, and I will never be a bird person. Kenko are off the list as well, although they're closer to Corvids if you play a crow. Either way, uh, our my closest experience with it is we've played with a younger member of uh, Adventurers League oh, whose God. only goal was to cause mischief, for sure. And uh, this was an Adventure League game now because he couldn't have played an air croaker, chakra. Uh, and while we were flying out of the air, falling, really not flying, he was flying, he had wings, I didn't, uh, landed in a farmhouse owned by some very poor farmers, and I was hiding as I was a halfling rogue trying to stay out of trouble, and he decided that his best course of action would be to fly around the room at full speed, breaking anything in his path, because he's a nice person like that. And uh, with that, he got the crap beat out of him in a farmhouse while I got to watch. And if I had popcorn, I would have eaten it while I was doing that. Uh, with that, I ducked out of the farmhouse watching him get his ass beat. Bird ass? Does, it, does a bird have an ass? His cloaca beat. Uh, it's, <laughs> so a me, Mr. <laughs> it's a multi-purpose orifice. It's a multi-purpose orifice. As are most orifices if you try hard enough. <laughs> Leaving it in. <laughs> with that... That's really all I've got about an Eric. You have this. a crap ton about Eric Cockra, and Cockra. I feel like I don't have a lot about Aboliths. We're going to jump right into this stuff. Okay, so Aboliths look 
disgusting. They look like a used blue condom. They. <laughs> I hope that is reflected in your drawing later. Uh, a little bit. Um, <laughs> Does it have seminal fluid I in the front? I saw. I saw there's there's some in the in the monster manual and then if you go on any of the Wikipedia pages where is where we get some of our other information they have other drawings and it does look like that it has it crawling on land because this is amphibious um, so it does breathe air and water though I don't know why you would put this thing it leaves air and water yeah it breathes air and water you can be on land and in the water that's how amphibious are they appro- is the abolith approaching by <laughs> land or sea Jamie <laughs> One if by land and do it by sea. Um, so they get really... It should be too. It should be approaching by sea. It's better in the water. It's so much better in the water, but it doesn't have any disadvantages if it's on land. So that should be noted. Um, it is an amphibian. They get pretty freaking huge. Uh, they get 20 feet in length and up to 6,500 pounds. Um, but that is... They don't really say if that's the full size of it because apparently these things... May not die. They only die if someone attacks them and kills them. So they can get up to 40 feet in length and get heavier. Are they like giant squids? We just never know when their growth period These things are pretty badass. So it's going to get weird. Okay. So it says... (laughs) says, This condom's going to get weird. (laughs) Abolith underbellies are often orange and pink. Their top sides are typically sea green and like that gross blue color. Um, they have four long tentacles. Two come from toward the front of the body. Two come from the back. They yeah, have they three do. eyes that are vertical, like on their forehead. They have like a beak-like nose. They produce this mucus substance that covers their whole bodies. I told you, it's a condom. Remember, anything's a pocket if you try hard enough. <laughs> uh, the apple. They go? can come out of the water, but when they are on land, this mucus is kind of what keeps them. Lubricated. Um, and if they dry out, they don't necessarily die. They go into a state of suspended animation. So like a tardigrade. I don't know what that fancy word is. What the hell is that? Everybody look up tardigrade. They're immortal little creatures that have been launched into space and lived in the vacuum and came back and they're like, what was that? And they're okay. They're all okay. That's cool. Um, they're also called sea bears. It's, and like the last little line says, Abolis do not die of old age. Uh, and live indefinitely, bearing or barring against violence or disease. And I thought that was pretty cool. Like they could just live forever. Um, I imagine that wild abolis have a specific sound that they make. <laughs> Let's hear it then. If you're ever lucky enough to dive beneath the deeps and hear an abolith, it'll be the last sound you hear, and it sounds like. <laughs> Can that be our opening theme song? <laughs> it's not like a whale song. It's an abolith cry. Because they're so smart. And doom is upon you. <laughs> that is the sound of doom. <laughs> doom, 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 doom. So, we have to give a shout out to David Zeb Cook because he made these badasses in 1988. I was two. That's great. Um, and they've been around for forever. <laughs> Me either. Shut up, you youngins. Um, you were in the economy. <laughs> I'm millennial, so you guys can fuck off. Um, so they, they're in all these editions. They came out in the second advanced edition, which I don't know what that is, because like I said, I only played 5e. 
and it's all on the Wikipedia page. Read it for yourself. Um, their lore, mine is not as detailed as uh, Zachary's, so we'll get into it. Um, they've been around for fucking ever. Uh, it says that they were around before the gods, and they were cast down by the gods once they came into power. And these things are better than elephants. They do not forget, and they're fucking pissed. Uh, they hate all the land dwellers because, damn it, they were here first. They were said to be born with the memories of their ancestors. So when they're born, they already know everything, like every other goddamn child on the planet. Um, <laughs> they know everything. They know everything from all their, their ancestors. And if they eat something, they eat a creature, they gain its memories too. Oh, that's just wrong. I know. So these are pretty crazy things. But they don't have to eat creatures. They can do the filter feeding and just eat krill and stuff. They don't have to, they don't have to actually eat like a Can whale. Can you defeat this with a really sad PC who has a tragic backstory? You know, these things have a tragic backstory, so I'm oh, sure. Probably. Won't affect them then. If you speak Aboleth, then you would hear the cries of their people. It's the sound of sadness. <laughs> and, hello, Aboleth, oh, my old friend. Um, it's okay. good to talk with you again. <laughs> they do have cities, and they are at the very bottom of big oceans. They, let's see. Abolith cities are vast affairs of bizarre and alien architecture located deep underwater. The shape of water located in the Underdark's Glimmer Sea is the largest known Abolith city. Um, this is where they have council and the oldest Abolith reside. And when I imagine the scene, I told Zach that I think of like Futurama when they go and fight the brains on that planet and they're all just, the brains are sitting in council because these guys are all really smart. But I wonder, so if I'm born and I'm a new Abolith, but I still have all the memories of every other Abolith, if an ab, if another Abolith gets smart with me, can I be like, I know what you did, Karen? And I do because I know everything everyone has done. <laughs> From the beginning of time. Can we give every Abolith the name of a suburban white woman? <laughs> Deborah, Kieran, and uh, <laughs> Melissa are all very important Aboliths. Um, it says they're from the far realm originally, but immigrated to the uh, prime material plane and went to the Underdark because, you know, all the creepy things live in the Underdark. You can find them in other unsavory places, like the ruins of ancient sunken cities, the deepest parts of lakes, or in old temples. And sometimes you'll see the Kuitoa, the little fish people, serving them as a deity. Hmm. But I mean, they were here before the gods, so why not? They are hermaphroditic, which is which is different from asexual, as I learned. Um, and I, it just depends on who pokes who. And that made me really sad, because I wish humans were like that. <laughs> Jesus. I do. We wouldn't have all of this debate about anything and be like, I'm a pokey pokey you and you get to have the babies. Uh, they will go off by themselves. What? They'll do the, they'll do the pokey pokey thing and they'll go into a cave. And some lore says they lay only one egg. Some lore says they lay up to nine eggs, but they lay eggs and they gestate for five years. They find mom and dad because they know who they are and everything they've ever done. And kind of just live with them subserviently for 10 years until they reach like a maturity level and then they go off. Which is weird because they know everything. 
but they still live with their parents and like other teenagers they think they know everything but they do and be like no you shouldn't do this thing trevor he's like mom i can tell you the exact date when you did the thing i'm doing and there you go um trevor (laughs) they all have really weird names kyle Um, what are you talking about i can't talk my name is zach yeah, there you go. Um, these things can do a lot of cool stuff. Um, they have a mucus cloud if you're underwater. Uh, they have a mucus cloud. So if you're underwater and you come into contact with this cloud or if you hit them with a melee attack and stay within five feet, mm. you have to make a DC 14 con save or be diseased for 1D4 hours. And then you can only breathe underwater. So you have... You're fucked. Um... <laughs> If you try and if you try and communicate with it telepathically, like read its thoughts or something, it also gets to go into your head and find out your greatest desire. There is no save on this, and this thing has a plus four to charisma, so I think that's a great storytelling tool to use. It'll know your greatest desire and then try and use it against you. Um, apparently, these things amass slaves because they can just overtake them. Um, psych psychically and then make them do whatever they want let's see it has a tentacle attack which it sounds lame but it's not because uh, <laughs> i thought it was just like ah and it slaps with a tentacle but it doesn't you take the 2d6 plus 5 damage uh, but then you got to make a con save or you get diseased so for the first minute of this disease nothing happens but after that your skin becomes uh, slimy and translucent and you cannot regain hit points unless you use a sixth level cure spell or he- I'm sorry, heal spell or higher. Jeez. And during this time, if you're outside of the water, you take one D12 acid damage every 10 minutes unless you are constantly applying moisture to the diseased area. Moisturize me. <laughs> Moist. Um, so I thought that was, that's, I mean, that's pretty, pretty that's cool. Because for the first minute. It doesn't do anything, and then it'll just screw your whole world up. Because that's ten rounds of combat, you're okay. Yeah, so you could beat it and think you're okay, and then have this horrible thing happen, and you have to hopefully have a high enough spell to break it, or have enough water where you don't keep taking the acid damage. But hopefully you're near the water when you're fighting it, so just chunky-dunk yourself back into the ocean. It can go on, but then the water doesn't cure you, it just alleviates it. So if you have to leave this watered area, you're screwed because you're going to be using all your drinking water to keep applying it or take the acid damage if you don't have a high enough healing spell. Is it considered a curse that you'd have to have removed? It said, no, it's not a curse's disease. Ooh. So, yeah. It can also enslave. It can do this up to three times a day and you have to make a DC 14 wisdom save or be its bitch until it dies. So even if you disengage from combat, it still has your ass until you die, or until it dies, or you die, or if it goes into another plane of existence. And it's a charm, so you'll be charmed, meaning uh, you can't take, um, you can't make any physical or magical actions against this creature, and it has advantage on ability checks to interact with you, the player. Um, you can't take reactions, and the Abolith can communicate telepathically with you over any distance. No. 
pass. This thing is so cool. And what's um, its challenge rating? We all currently play in a 10th level party, and I think I have ideas now. You better not. I don't want to use this. Um, you can try the save again if you take damage or once per day if you're a mile or more away from the Avalon. And that's the save against the charm effect. That's the save against the charm. Ooh. So if you fail, it owns you for the next 24 hours. So I think this would be something great for like a port town that's like polluting the water or something. And this Avalon has just had enough of your bullshit. And it's going to just start taking people over because it doesn't say there's a limit to how many it could have. But it can only do it three times a day. So mm. three people a day over X amount of time, you could take over a whole town, a whole port town. And if it's only a mile in diameter, you could enslave everyone in town and there's no one would even know. Mm, Isn't that fun. great? It kind of reminds me, you do like a Zora type thing from Legend of Zelda and just have fish people who are overrun or humans who are overrun by a fish person. Because why not? Um, let's see. And then it has layer actions. It can cast Phantasmal Force without any components. Um, if you pass the save, you're a moon for 20... A moon. You're, you're a, a moon. moon. You're a moon. You're a moon. You're Shut a moon. Uh, <laughs> you're immune for 24 hours. It can also make the water pools within 90 feet uh, shoot up and then try and pull you underwater. And you have to make the DC 14 strength save. Um... And if you are in water uh, and it chooses to do its action, you can take just 2d6 psychic damage. I don't think there's a save on that. Uh, let's see. It can also make the terrain within a mile of its lair difficult and slimy. And it can make an illusory image of itself with sound effects and everything. And communicate telepathically with it over any distance. I haven't used it. Uh, but I would really like to. Um, I think in the campaign that I'm starting pretty soon, it'll probably make an appearance because it's pretty badass. For level two, please don't kill us. <laughs> you know, I make no promises. TPK. TPK. I would bang on the thing, but I was explicitly told not to do that. So <laughs> <laughs> no banging on the table. I feel like that was really fast. I don't know if we talked too fast or... If there was just not a lot there. Not for an Aarakocra. There's not really much text with that. I think you had like two pages versus my one half page. Who was winning a battle? The oh, Aboleth would kick its ass. It wouldn't make it its bitch. It would do anything. <laughs> it's shit on wisdom save. It has a plus one. So, no. Yeah, Aboleth wins. Yeah, its charisma is plus four. So, and it had really good stats. I didn't put all the stats on my paper because I wasn't a nerd. And I <laughs> says the person who started a D and D podcast. This was your idea. <laughs> um, but it had a ton of high stats. It didn't have anything that was a zero or anything that was really low. So this thing is pretty kick-ass. And the fact that it learns the memories of anyone that it interacts with, that makes me scared. Like, the storytelling abilities with this monster are vast. Now, you said it learns the memories. It has to eat, consume it to know its memories, right? Or is it just something that it just comes in contact with? No, it has to eat it. Oh, sadness. So if Timmy falls into the ocean and gets eaten by an aboleth, it can haunt its parents forever with its... Memories yeah. and illusory self. That's terrifying. Well, it's an illusory uh, thing of 
the abolith itself. Oh, you not, can't do other things. Can't, okay. That would be so messed up. <laughs> There's little Timmy playing by the well. Save him, mom and dad. Save him. But you can't. How did you fit an abolith <laughs> in a well? Wells are vertical. I can go vertical. Oh, I want to see your picture. Hey, so as we mentioned before, we have done our own personal drawings of these creatures, which you can always Google the actual title of the characters. Uh, Aarakocra or Kakra is spelled A-A-R-A-K-O-C-R-A. Ends with okra, like the southern fried food, as we all love. Uh, and uh, Aboleth is A-B-O-L-E-T-H. You can Google those and get some great images of them. Uh, we'll also be posting our own personal drawings on the uh, social media accounts we have, which will be listed. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He's looking at my drawing of the Aboleth. Photo, and it does look like it's screaming. <laughs> Did it have four arms or three? It said four, but I didn't want to keep reading the uh, the description of it. So I... Just did what I thought was right. Its eyes are... Maybe it's seen some things. Yeah, with its three vertical eyes. How is that beneficial? I don't In know. any stance. So... We can ask Mr... What was his name? Mr. David Zeb Cook. I don't know if he's still hopefully alive. still alive. <laughs> if he is, expect an email. <laughs> <laughs> don't. We'll never do it. Uh, and then you get a chance to look at my... Uh, Oh, it looks just like the guy from uh, the Muppets. Sam Why are you putting a hand up its butt? That does not belong in there. That's what his little caption says. Oh, because it's a puppet. It's so- <laughs> oh goodness, it does. It looks just like the puppet of the eagle guy. What is his name again? Sam the Eagle. Sam the Eagle. Oh, memories. But my apple kind of looks like a me-seek. The face of it does, yeah. <laughs> Existence is pain. <laughs> Pram. He's suffering some one way or another. He is. Oh, gosh. This is great. I can't wait for people to laugh at our tomfoolery. That's all I got. I don't know if we want to talk about anything else. Today's tea is uh, Louisiana decaffeinated tea. Why did you want to do a podcast, Zach? So... Not that I'm greedy or I just want my voice heard. I'm a DM, and so mainly this was a an opportunity to do research on the monsters in the Monster Manual. Really in-depth one, because I have to read and write notes out on it. Which means I can murder my players. It was a sense to really look into it, and then I've actually started listening to podcasts more recently. For example, uh, I started listening to Critical Role on the podcast, because I just don't have time to watch the video. And then... Um, I've really gotten into, and that's why we drink. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm more like, if you've ever seen the show, like M, I don't drink alcohol and I don't have time to make a milkshake. So it's sweet tea, which she's also Southern, if I recall, from Virginia or something. So everyone in the South likes sweet tea, unless you're weird. So sorry, weird people who don't like sweet tea. I'm sure we'll get angry comments from this in the future. Uh, if assuming anyone reads. Right. If anyone <laughs> listens. listens to this. Um, Zach proposed the idea of doing a podcast he didn't really give an explanation why and i have no mind of my own so i was like sure and (laughs) 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 but i hope we do this again i enjoyed it this isn't the first podcast i've done but i hope i do this longer than i did the other one this is my first podcast and i'm excited so yeah it was mainly to learn more ways to kill my players 
most of the information we discussed today either came straight out of the Monster Manual or from Wikipedia articles. Uh, in the future, we'll try to list our sources. That way you can find more information about them. Or the Google. <laughs> the Google the Google brought us to the Wikipedia. That's all yeah. this is. But it's not. So I got some information from actual just Wikipedia.com. But then there's the fandom Wikipedia, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what that's called? Fandom. And they post... Those guys... Those guys They're at their heroes. computers just put in all this information. They're the, the true MVPs because I wasn't going to read all this stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really wasn't. I was really hoping someone had really good lore and information. And I was like, yeah. And they cited their sources. So I was like, double score. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, if anyone feels like they want to listen to this totes and ask us anything because why not i have nothing to hide i am on social media so learn my whole life call me out oh hey i did call you out uh our social media page if you are interested in is our twitter account is at t as t-e-a underscore d-n n is the letter d or sweet t and D D if you're searching it uh we don't have a website yet so we're gonna work on that and we also don't have an instagram or facebook page because we're shitty people no i tried to make one and it made it really complicated so that wasn't my fault i don't have anything else do you have anything else today before we do this and our producers like doing the finger thing Done. do we want to have a sign off should we have a sign off uh our music we would like to thank uh kevin McLeod. god <laughs> Apollo, the Greek god of music. Uh, (laughs) May he bless us all. Uh, uh, No, so uh, our music would be uh, selected from uh, Incompetech or uh, Kevin McLeod. He has a great source of open source music or royalty free music if you're interested in that. Uh, We'll also... Go to Twitter. Twitter, 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 Twitter. Twitter. All right. Anything else? I bet that's an actual porn site. Oh, God. That's the way the dice roll. Oh, Oh, gold. That was the sound of a dice bag hitting the table. Did you just, like, dice bag or the table? It's worse than teabagging something. Both of which apply. (laughs) Teabag. Themes. Yeah. I've been rolling for 14 years. Rolling with the homies. And we're going to call that done. Say bye. 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 Bye.